BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I finally outside and not hiding. I feel like I've started every episode for the past two weeks with explaining how I'm recording because my entire family's here. But I'm finally, I have some peace and quiet. I'm outside and I get to chat with you. So there's a few different things you wanted me to talk about. So I'm just going to get started because we have a lot to cover before our episode with Ariel. Someone wanted me to talk about marriage within the first year of a relationship. Well, this is so like contextual. Like I don't know how old this person is, but um, I think it's really important to know where the two of you stand when it comes to marriage. I remember, you know, in in the past, I had dated someone who was just like kind of would shudder at the conversation of marriage as if it was like something so far in the future and they were like 28. And to me, that kind of freaked me out because I was like, so you're not going to want to like, you know what I mean? It just sounded like their their trajectory was like a 35 for marriage, whereas my head was just not in that place. And so I feel like you need to make sure that at least your partner's on the same page about it. And that like they wouldn't be with you unless they had considered it at least. Um, because if that's not the case, then I feel like it's, it is a bit red flaggy. Someone else wanted me to talk about, they said, after the craze over the rules, it's easy for us to understand that holding off on having sex with the new person is important for so many reasons. But how to do that can be tricky. I feel, they said, I feel like it's a fine line between making the guy, this is a woman speaking, feel rejected and making your intentions too obvious or emotional, if that makes sense. Just a thought. So I guess their question is like, how do you hold off on having sex without making it look like you're holding off on having sex? Obviously, this bird decides to fly right here at this moment when I said that I'm in the peace and quiet, but it is what it is. I'm sorry if you could hear it. So I think that there's a really easy way to do that. And it's just not going to their apartment or having them at your apartment. Because for me personally, once we're in the apartment, it's like all bets are off. Like there's a bed, you know, the mood is right, whatever. Um, But if you're just actually dating and getting to know each other and, you know, safely distancing outside, you know, maybe sitting in a restaurant, but outside and six feet away and, and that kind of stuff, like let them court you. You don't have to go up to their apartment. And if they're like, do you want to come up for a little? Just be like, yeah, maybe like next time. 
you don't have to be like, sorry, we're not having sex or like, I'm waiting or you don't have to say any of that. Just like actually don't put yourself in a situation where you feel like you might be, you know, rejecting them as, as this woman said, or making your intentions too obvious. No, just don't get up there. Like, and if you do get up there to the, to their apartment, let's say, or to your apartment or your house or their house, just be like, just like make out with them and then be like, okay, I have to, you know, I have to get up early tomorrow or that was so fun. Like, I'll see you next time. You know, like you don't have to get so deep into it. We had a poll question. Is it normal for your partner to change when they're with their best friend? Like make jokes in front of you that make you uncomfortable. I guess, and and the results were like, it is normal. I guess it's normal, but like, is it a good sign? Probably not. You should know every aspect of your partner and like for them to change into this other person who might be like trying to impress someone still is kind of a red flag and you don't want someone who still needs to like impress the boys or like impress the girls uh, because that person usually, you know, will make decisions in order to do the impressing of their friends as opposed to being either loyal to you or just like who you think that you're dating. Um, How many people should we typically date before we get married? This person said someone told them the third person that you date is the one that you marry, but another friend thinks it's more like five or more. And then another friend who has been with the same guy since high school said one or two. Well, obviously this is different for everyone because if it were the same, then like we would all know. And that would be kind of crazy. I have friends who marry their first boyfriend. I have friends who married their like 10th boyfriend and all in between. I don't think that there's a recipe for this. I think that it's like you should date as many people until you know what you want. So for example, my boyfriend dated one person and they broke up six years ago and he didn't date anyone after that until me. Whereas I dated, you know, I I've had like three or four boyfriends um, since college. I don't know why I said three or four. Like I should know the answer to that. I think I would say like two, maybe two or three serious boyfriends since college. But either way, um, like I realized kind of what I wanted and didn't want through my process. And he realized what he was willing to, you know, or not willing to settle for during his process. So I don't think that there's a right magical number there. I think you just know when you're ready, you feel it. Um, When you meet someone, when your time is aligned. I actually remember, you know, my boyfriend went to business school and I remember I was newly single like a few years ago before I dated my ex. And I remember thinking to myself, like the person I'm dating is not around just trying to date people right now. Like the person I'm dating is like out there working on themselves or like is in business school or is doing something really great. And that's why they're single right now. If if that makes any sense, because I feel like so many, I always hear women be like, there are no good guys left who are like 30 or who are like, you know, 32 or 29, whatever. And I never was worried about that because I was like the good guys who are single 
are like focusing on their career and, um, you know, going to school more and becoming doctors and becoming lawyers and whatever. And then they're finding their person. Um, and that was the kind of person that I was always interested in. Someone that was like doing something really cool and, and really motivated because that's how I feel like I can be. And so I never was worried about like, oh, you know, if I'm single again at 29, will I find someone? Because I just knew like they're in, there was this alignment that, you know, my person was single, not because no one wanted to be with them, but because like they were crushing it or really picky. Someone said, talk about the weird, sad feeling of not speaking to your ex after years of dating. It is a weird, sad feeling. I mean, it's like you spent every day with this person, right? And you, and they know your innermost secrets and you know theirs and you know their like family dynamic and you know, you know, everything. And then all of a sudden you don't speak to them anymore. And that's how it has to be. And that's how it should be. It's you, you don't keep in touch with exes, but it's the one person that you come across in life or like, you know, couple people that you talk to every day and then get rid of. Like, can you imagine if you just said to your best friend who you talk to every day? Okay, now let's just like not talk anymore ever. Obviously, that would be crazy and sad, you know? So there is, whether you were the one breaking up with them or not, there is this sadness about realizing that someone you could just text about anything you can't talk to anymore. But it is something that you have to accept as normal because everybody everybody goes through that who has had a breakup. Will and Jada. So for anyone who doesn't know, Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith, um, who are married, had like a table talk this week and they talked about how they had um, a separation at some point and Jada was dating this other guy. And, you know, I'd always, I'd heard for years that they had an open marriage. I'd heard so many rumors. I'd heard that he was gay and she was a lesbian. I don't know. I heard a million things. And, you know, Jada addressed that she did see another man. And a lot of people are talking about how like it emasculated Will and like he just seemed like, you know, an idiot. And she was like, you know, it was like female power. I don't think it's anything like that. I think it's just like relationships are complicated. And, you know, there are moments, especially in marriages or so I hear that are very tough and people decide to stick with it or not. And sometimes they teeter on the knot and maybe they're separated for a bit and maybe they see other people and then maybe they get back together. And that is something that is so normal and should be so okay. Um, is it something I want for myself and my future? No. But am I judging them for that? Would I ever think that Jada's like a slut for that? In no way. I think what she did was aligned with what she needed at that time in her life. Benefits of therapy and how I found mine. Um, I mean, the benefits of therapy are, is self-awareness and like real confidence and just stability for your life. Like you, you know, you figure out how to deal with so many amazing and tough things that happen in your life. Um, therapy for me, I did DBT, CBT, whichever is the, is the like action oriented one. I always mess it up. And it's like behavioral therapy it teaches you methods when you are going, when you're in emotional mind to get to wise mind. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with being emotional, but the therapy that I did is like, it shows you that you have a goal in a situation. So like, let's say you're with your boyfriend and they said something that annoyed you, but it's like, what's the goal? The goal is like to be with them and to get along with them. So like, is it worth 
reacting to that thing? Probably not. So you get into wise mind and you move on. Um, I found my therapist actually through another therapist who I found online through like Psychology Today and reading recommendations. And I have tons of therapy recs in the highlights in my Instagram for this podcast. It's just at we met at Acme on Instagram. Getting out of a toxic relationship when partner drinks too much. Um, I mean, my ex had... Sorry for the noise, if you can hear that. My ex had a different personality when he drank and I didn't like that personality. And I, you know, convinced myself that that's okay and not a big deal, but it is a big deal. And if you don't like someone when they're drunk, that is a part of their personality. Riley, my dog is barking now. Great. Um, That is a part of their personality that exists. So you have to be okay with that. And if you're not, then you have to get out of that relationship. Is being in shape part of having your shit together? It depends on what having your shit together looks like to you. Um, You know, for me, I'm happier when I'm in shape, but does that always mean that my shit is together just because I might look good on the outside? Definitely not. And how your partner should be the best sex. Oh, so we had a question that was like, should the person you marry be the best sex that you've ever had? And it was like 80% no, or maybe even more than that. And like, I disagree. I actually think that like with the right communication and everything, your partner should be the best sex that you have ever had because you should communicate your needs and wants. And, you know, maybe it's not the case because the best sex you had was with some asshole who, you know, spanked you in a way that you liked. I don't know. But I think you can get your partner to do all the things that you want to be done to you if you just communicate it. And last but not least, Enneagrams. I'm a type one. My boyfriend is also a type one. If you don't know your Enneagram, Google it, look it up. My type, I believe is our type is the perfectionist. And um, Enneagrams are cool. They're like different personality types. You know, they've got all these different types of personality tests. And I, you know what? I'm going to stop now because I am rambling and I really want you to enjoy this episode with Arielle Laurie. She is wonderful and I'm excited to hear what you think. Going back to the question, someone actually asked, um, is being in shape part of having your shit together? And it's funny because I think it can be, but I think what's more important than being in shape is actually just like nourishing your body and not restricting yourself because that ends up making you so much happier. And like, I wasn't feeling great um, for a while in quarantine. I had gained a little bit of weight and I was like, you know what? I just feel like I need to be eating specific foods that build me up and fill me up. And for that reason, I am obsessed with Saqqara. And you've heard me talk about Saqqara a lot, but it's ready to eat plant-based meals that have powerful ingredients like superfoods. And by the way, before Saqqara, I didn't even know what a superfood was. And now I'm obsessed with like goji berries and other superfoods that they put in their amazing meals. And in addition to their amazing meals, Saqqara has daily wellness essentials like supplements and herbal teas, like their detox tea, to support your nutrition. So to boost your results, try the best-selling Metabolism Super Powder. It's an all-natural remedy for bloating, weight gain, and fatigue. My mom and I use it all the time. It's got like a chocolatey taste and you can just throw it into your smoothie in the morning or even into like yogurt if you're not a smoothie person 
or anything really. And it's, it's awesome. And again, don't forget about the detox teas because after every meal, they kind of keep you full until you have the next meal. So you're not snacking in between. And because I love you guys and I love Sakara, we are offering you 20% off your first order. When you go to sakara.com slash Acme, or you can just enter code Acme at checkout. So S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash Acme. You'll get 20% off your first order sakara.com slash acme. Okay, back to the show. Hi, new friends. I'm Jackie Schimmel, philanthropist, motivational speaker, glowing wife, animal rights activist, and a shoulder to cry on. Not really. I'm a crazy bitch, but a hoot and a half. If you haven't listened to my podcast, The Bitch Bible, brace yourself, pour yourself a stiff drink, and get ready to laugh your ass off or cry. Make sure you subscribe yourself to the Bitch Bible podcast right now. You're going to effing love it. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with Ariel Laurie from the Blonde Files podcast. Hey Ariel. Hi. How's it going? It's going. You know, we're on day mm-hmm. 8,000 of quarantine, but literally 8,000. Yeah, but it's going pretty well, all things considered. Good. It's so funny. I just, so I like, I'm 29 and I feel like you're like a, a year older, right? Um, something like that. <laughs> I'm in my something early thirties. Like People ask um, me how old I am now, and I'm like, early thirties. That's it. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> don't need to elaborate anymore. And I have like grays mm. all up over here, like grays, and especially in quarantine because you like see yourself right. more, you know, because like you're around yourself all the time. I was noticing I have so many little gray strands. And so I didn't know what to do because I was like, I want to get a gloss, which is like, you know, when you just like gloss over the grays and they disappear. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find someone who was like safely doing a gloss like outdoors, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> I, I finally found someone this morning and I'm like so happy. But now my boyfriend's like, oh, I miss my little old lady. <laughs> I was going to say it looks so good. Thank you. It's just only the color looks good. She couldn't give me a blowout because she was like, I'm too scared of everything the going around. Yeah. Like yeah. I kind of, Whatever. I was a little bit defiant and like the nails, the lashes, the bikini wax, all of that. I'm like, whatever, let it go. But the hair, yeah. I was like, I can't, I can't quit the hair part. So I had my girl, yeah, my colorist and her assistant coming over. They would have like an N95 with like a surgical mask over that, <laughs> with a visor over that, with like three layers of gloves. Like they came in. I mean, they may Whatever as well have, you have been in do. like hazmat suits. Yeah, it was very intense, but I was like, Literally. just do it. <laughs> that's, that's so funny. So just because, um, you know, I'm like, I got into it without fully introducing you. I'm going to take a step back. We know you're in your early 30s. Ariel, where are you from? And what is your current relationship status? Oh, I'm originally from Barrington, Rhode Island, but I've been living in LA for about 10 years now and I am married. Still kind of crazy when I say that. (laughs) So crazy. (laughs) And your, what is your sign and what is your husband's sign? I'm a Leo and I don't know my husband's sign, but you will. He's October 18th. He's a Libra. Okay. <laughs> it's it's like me and you. It's it's great vibes, great okay. energy. And so your husband is a little bit older than you. So walk us through that. 
someone recently was like, we, I need you to talk about age difference and like dating and you know, like how that goes down, how it can work, how it can be copacetic. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you like come to terms with his age? Did you ever feel like, you know, there was like a disconnect in the things that you're interested in? Like, cause you know, you're like a millennial. Yeah. So you know, I think the age thing has always been more of an issue for him than for me. Not that it's an issue, but we both decided early on, like, first of all, we knew each other for about a year before anything happened. And like, he would never have made a move because he didn't want to look creepy. And I was like, well, maybe I need to like process this in therapy because this is weird. Because yeah, you were, you were nice saying a little bit older, he's twice my age. So <laughs> Yeah. Um, but we kept seeing each other and there was like definitely kind of a vibe. So I made the first move and he was like very cautious in the beginning. And I think that came with like life experience and just he has like a wisdom that I don't have at my age. I was 20, 29 or 30 at the time. So I was like, fuck it, let's do this. Like, who cares? And he was like, well, maybe we should like be a little more you know, cautious about this. And, but we both decided pretty early on that like it was either going to be an issue or it wasn't. And the relationship was more important or pursuing the relationship was more important to us than like just before anything, like just saying no before anything happened. And because of the age difference, because of like, I don't know, preconceived notions of what would happen or what people would think. So pretty early on, we were like, you know, let's pursue it and see what happens. And in the beginning, you know, when you're falling in love, there could be a million red flags and you wouldn't see them because you're falling in love. There weren't red flags with us, but like we just didn't experience the age thing because I just saw him for who he is and he saw me for who I am. Um, And now that we're like further into the relationship, we've been together for four years now you know, it's still like, I think we're just so used to it. And we're both kind of like spiritual and we both like meditate. And so we believe in this like agelessness, not that we're like super woo woo, but um, I just don't really see an age when I look at him. That said, (laughs) there are a lot of differences Mm -hmm. in our like cultural references. (laughs) And, um, but it kind of like works out because I learned so much from him and I have like all these different interests and like tastes and music and watch shows or movies that or read books that I never would have. And then I kind of like bring that more like millennial, you know, culture to him, some of which he's like, I don't want it. And then some of it, um, you know, he he learns from as well. So we kind of like balance each other out in that sense. But there are definitely nuances, you know, in any kind of like any kind of relationship with age differences. Um, But yeah, they haven't been too hard to navigate because we're just committed to navigating it. So yeah, I love that. And you guys, um, so your husband is super accomplished. You are also accomplished and crushing it. But I wonder like when you first met him, you know, like, did you know any of that? Was that like part of why you were so attracted to him? Or was it just like you met him and then you were like, oh yeah, and that's awesome that you also are doing X, Y, and Z, Mm -hmm. you know? So I didn't know who he was initially. 
Um, the thing that I noticed about him was his style, actually. <laughs> he has like the best style. And the funny thing is he doesn't even know it. Like he was on my podcast maybe a month ago and I was talking about it. And he's like, really? Because I feel like I dress like an 11 year old. Like he wears jeans and hoodies and like, you know, very like effortlessly cool. And I noticed that about right. him and he's handsome for his age. And um, so that was the first thing. And we knew some people in common. And then I kind of like figured out who he was. And um, that wasn't, it wasn't part of it, but like some, he carries himself as very confident, very powerful. He just kind of has this like air about him and that I was super attracted to. So it wasn't that I was like, oh, I know who he is and I'm going to like go after him. But it was like just kind of part right. of the package of what I noticed initially. Yeah. Yeah. What would you... So like, so you started dating him like in the beginning. Did you... When you guys would hang out with like your friends, you know, let's say his friends and like his friends' wives um, who were his age and, and not your age, like did you feel any sort of judgment maybe a lot of it was just like insecurity on their part for like being old and droopy and like seeing this like gorgeous girl come in, like whatever it is. But did you feel any of that? I didn't from his friends. And I was really lucky. Like I love his friends. They're so welcoming. Everybody just wants him to be happy. And, um, right. And like, I'm, I'm really close. Some of my closest friends are actually the wives of his friends that he's had for 20, 30 years. So I'm kind of like an old soul. It sounds cliche, but I really am. Like I just have always kind of had, I've just kind of always related more to older people, not necessarily twice my age older people, but especially after I got sober six and a half years ago, like in recovery, I just have friends of all ages. I have friends that are 20 and I have friends that are like 90. So, um, yeah. so it wasn't really... They, I didn't have any judgment from them. Now, when we go to like Hollywood events, that's a little bit different because people who don't know him as well don't know me. They'll see it from the outside and like it totally looks... I mean, I get it. I look like a trophy wife. You know, it just kind of looks like that, that LA Hollywood cliche. Um, but I still like, right. I never really encountered anybody being like outwardly overtly rude to me, even at those kind of events. Right. So also like you're so like I, you know, I started following you on social media like a month or so ago. And like you're so real that like it's almost impossible to call you a trophy wife. Like there's so much more to you, you know, and like you are so open and honest. I feel like a an actual trophy wife, like would keep her mouth mm -hmm. shut and just look pretty, mm -hmm. you know? Thank you. I appreciate so, that. <laughs> yeah, of course. So you mentioned being six years sober. And so I was actually in the car before and I had the radio on, which never is the case. Like I always listen to my own music on my phone, but I had the radio on and it, someone was saying like, congrats to Miley Cyrus, who has six months sober or something like that. And I was like, oh my God, good for her. Like go Miley. And you know, I'm sober too. Like we're all sober. Um, and I was thinking about like, you know, how Miley's like marriage just ended. And I was like, you know, when you are in, like when you're actively drinking or smoking or whatever your thing is, like you don't attract the right partner, you know? And I feel like, and 
I'm sure Liam, I mean, Liam's so hot, <laughs> but I was thinking about their relationship <laughs> and I was like, maybe like she, maybe like, you know, that was the case with her situation. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about that? Because that was interesting. About to me. like who you attract or, or about her yeah, situation and like, specifically? Yeah. Like a, like a mix, kind of like, was she attracting Liam? Like, I don't know. I've heard, I've heard stories that like he loves like pills and like, things like that. And it's like, maybe like they were bonding over drugs, you know what I mean? Which like doesn't create a foundation for a real relationship. No, it definitely doesn't. And I had so many of those relationships before I got sober where like we would meet, we would party, we'd stay up all night. And the next day we would move in together. And that was like, because we had that common bond. Right. And so I had, I was definitely a relationship person before I got sober. Like I had serious boyfriends, but but our foundation was like drugs and alcohol. So yeah, I've heard rumors about him too. I'm not like too looped in on like that much Hollywood stuff. But I think that if somebody is drinking and using to the point where it's a problem, the other person in the relationship is either like enabling it or they're part of the problem or they're leaving. Like there's three options. So I don't know. Like, I I think that water seeks its own level. Totally. I just funny, like looking back on my relationships, I remember there was this one guy who was such an alcoholic and like he was just like his behavior was out of control. And this was at a point where like my, like my thing was weed. I was like obsessed with weed, but I wasn't that into alcohol. So I was like, oh, he has a problem. Like he has a serious problem. Not even (laughs) thinking about that. Like every time he's drunk, I'm high. You know what I mean? And it's so funny how like, it's just like addicts, like date each other and find each other in, in that way, you know? Yeah. I was the same. Like I, I was very heavily into alcohol, Xanax, Adderall. I would do cocaine like usually in the evening, right? When I was drinking. Mm -hmm. But I would always end up, not always, but like my last serious relationship before I got sober, like he was doing, I don't know if I should say this. I don't think people know who he is. He was doing coke when he woke up and I would be like, oh my God, you look at him. He is such an addict. Like it would make me feel so much better about myself, right? Like to point the finger at him and deflect, even though I was doing the same exact thing, just like maybe at a different time of day. And he was functional. Like he could hold a job. Like I was not a functional human being before I got sober. But yeah, like definitely I wanted to be with people who approved of what I was doing at least, you know? So I wasn't gonna, before I got sober, I wasn't gonna be in a relationship with somebody who was not into all of that stuff. And even when I did get sober, like some of the guys that I was interested in (laughs) were... Like I keep coming back to that quote, water seeks its own level because that's what somebody told me at a lot of time yeah. sober because I was like, no, I really like this guy. And she's like, you're not going to like him in a year. Like, just trust me. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember when I first, um, when I first stopped, you know, doing everything, like a friend of mine was like, I like immediately I saw the guy I was dating differently. Like I was like immediately, like not like repulsed, but I was like, oh, he's like always going out and he's drinking and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I just like, I'm horrified, but they were like, no, like don't make any rash decisions. You know how that goes. And then like, you know, I didn't, I didn't for like a year. And then like, once I was totally clear minded, I was like, okay, I'm ready to get rid of this person. Like nothing has changed, you know? It's funny. 
to me too. Like I was with him until I was a year sober, even though we were completely living different lives. And like, yeah, all of a sudden, like the wool was peeled off my, whatever that phrase is. (laughs) I could see things clearly. And I was like, oh my God, like, what am I doing? But yeah, I was also advised not to make any big life decisions and things just kind of, things would work out how they were meant to. And they did, but yeah, they always do. Yeah. So something that, um, I wanted to talk to you about because I saw you did a podcast with Melissa Wood Health and she's like the most popular person in the workout, virtual workout space right now. Like every single friend of mine is like, did you do MWH (laughs) this morning? And I'm like, no, I didn't. Um, But obviously there's something about her that's like very attractive to everyone. Um, And I don't mean like physically attractive. Mm -hmm. I mean like mentally and energy wise. And, you know, you had also mentioned like limiting yourself, like whether it's like counting calories or like taking out carbs And I think there are so many people listening right now who have struggled with like their weight, not just in quarantine, but maybe before that, like fluctuating and being okay with it. And I wonder like how your journey went and how, you know, how you feel good now, which, you know, it seems like you do and, and like your posts are so inspiring about that. Yeah. So I've had quite the journey it started when I was a couple years sober. And at that point, like I had kind of, I feel like I came out of a 10 year long blackout. So I had no idea what it meant to be healthy. And that was when there were like a lot of really popular programs going around on Instagram that featured like before and after pictures. And there was a big emphasis on that. And everybody had Mm. like six pack abs and they were posting their like quest bars. And so I was like, okay, so I'm going to get healthy, which means I need to get abs and I'm going to eat like low fat and like count macros and and like exercise all the time. Like that's what I'm going to do. And that was, that was my understanding of health at the time. And so without like boring you with the whole story, I mean, I went through years of trying different things, doing a lot of restricting, um, counting macros, like I said, which really turned into like really bad disordered eating. I think it does have some benefits, but I figured out how to keep cutting more and more and more. So I was like eating maybe 1200 calories and restricting a lot of foods, restricting carbs, restricting fat. You know, there were just so many rules and restraints and it was so rigid. And eventually my body just kind of gave out and I had to stop everything that I was doing and really reevaluate my approach to everything. You know, I had really bad hormonal issues. I had gut issues. I had adrenal issues because of all the stress I was putting my body under and just other stressors. And then the stress of not eating, like it was just so much. And I really had to look inward and learn how to slow down. And I think this is something that Melissa embodies that people find so attractive, right? She's like, a proponent of like going within and meditating and moving slowly and intentionally and you don't have to kill yourself to achieve, you know, what you want to physically. And I think a lot of people have gone through kind of something similar to what I went through. So like, I think it's ingrained in us, right? That we, to look a certain way, we have to sweat it out in the gym sweat is fat crying, you know, all these like 
<laughs> sayings. We need yeah. to restrict carbs. We need to really be like super careful about what we eat. Like all these things that are just kind of ingrained in us through society. Yeah. Like that horrible phrase. That's like nothing feels nothing tastes better than yeah. skinny pills. Like, oh, oh fuck my off. God. And that was such a big thing, like in high school and like my early twenties. And yeah. So I think it just kind of gets like ingrained in your subconscious. Um, so for me, like the big turning point was I had a little over a year of kind of unlearning that stuff. It was really hard because every time I went to eat something, I had the numbers in my head of like, oh my God, well, this is like 11 grams of fat. And then I can't have almonds because then I'm going to be over my fat, you know, and those things kind of follow you around. But I got really into like meditation and I just did slow movement, walking. I started doing MWH <laughs> and, um, and I got to a point where like my body kind of healed and now I'm doing a little bit more intense exercise and all of that. But um, I had to, you know, reevaluate my relationship with food and something that Melissa and I talked about a lot was like not restricting and how if you're restricting food, you're just going to want whatever you're restricting. I mean, it's like psychology 101, right? Mm -hmm. So like just eating the thing that you want and then moving on with your day instead of like, like I talked about it this morning. If I have a bowl of oatmeal, I am full and energized until the afternoon, like oatmeal with protein powder, or whatever. I would never would have eaten that a few years ago because carbs. Um, but if I don't, give in to whatever within reason, whatever I'm craving, I'm going to eat 10 other things by the time it's noon because I'm just trying to satisfy myself. So I think it really just comes down to like being really attuned to your body, not being strict. Yeah. I think that from rigidity, like that's where just nothing good is born out of rigidity, you know, and you're just going to find more things to yeah. structure. And if you're just trying to look a certain way, you're going to find more things that you hate. And, you know, it's funny, I look back on when I was like my most fit and lean. I look back on it now and I'm like, holy shit, I looked terrible. Like I looked so bad. I was right. so thin. I was so like my face was gaunt. And I remember at that time, I didn't see it that way. I saw it as like, I needed to get more defined abs. I needed to get my legs thinner. Like I had to cut whatever out of my diet. So I think we just have it really backwards. And I think that's what people really like about Melissa is that it's very like, very intuitive, very kind. You know, it's not about restriction. It's not about like killing yourself. And um, yeah. yeah, I just went off my tangent, but... <laughs> No, I love that. I think it's so helpful for people. I've been asked to do like an episode on disordered eating for a while. And I think that like just about covers all of it, which is really great. I want to talk about moving in with a partner. Um, so I actually am doing that for the first time. My boyfriend and I just decided that we're going to move in together, which is super exciting. But this would be, and this will be my first time living with a guy like in a romantic situation. And you know, I wonder what that process was like for you. Like, did you just like, like move your stuff in? Like, did you have to give an ultimatum? Did your husband say like, okay, I want to live together? You know, like, obviously it was, I'm assuming it was before you were engaged. Yeah. So in the beginning of our relationship, like all of my previous relationships, like I said, we were kind of like insta dating, like we would meet and then we would hang out 
And then we were like together and that was it. And we would move in. <laughs> it was very unhealthy. So with my husband, I was like, I'm doing things differently. I'm the kind of person who I like that. I want to like latch on right away. That's just how I am. And this time I was very cognizant of not doing that. So it was like, we would spend time together like two nights a week. I was traveling a lot for work at that time. Mm -hmm. So I was like back and forth to San Francisco, which really helped. And I was in school and I just had a lot going on. So even if I wanted to move really fast, um, there just really wasn't an opportunity to. We did still kind of move fast. but So we started dating in August and then... We, we were spending more and more time together. And that December, so like five, four or five months later, we went to Vietnam. Right. And, um, and that was pretty bold, like in hindsight, because we were still like, I don't know, four or five months is very like, it's a new relationship. And it was a big trip. We were yeah. gone for like two and a half weeks. And like, if it didn't go well, we were stuck in Vietnam. You know? um, but we were we both kind of knew, like we knew pretty early on that this was it. So I remember being in Vietnam and he was like, well, maybe when we get back, like you shouldn't bring your suitcase back to your place. <laughs> like It was that kind of thing. Not like move in with me, but it was like, well, maybe you should just stay. Yeah. So I started, I think I started like very slowly, you know, like leaving clothes there, but I kept my place for... I can't remember if it was maybe like six more months. I just wanted to have it. I just didn't yeah. feel comfortable without any kind of commitment, just getting rid of my place and moving in with him. But I eventually right. did, I think when we got engaged, I may have the timing wrong or like a couple months before we got engaged, yeah. but we talked about it and we knew that that it was coming. And then like when you moved in together or just like started spending all this time together, like, how did you avoid becoming like codependent with one another? Because I feel like that's so hard. It's like if you're, if someone's around all the time, then when they're not around, like obviously you're functional, but like there's a part of you that like definitely misses them. And I'm trying to figure out like if that's normal and standard or if that's like dangerous, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because I think about my parents and like they're always together, like we could never <laughs> be apart. And I'm like, and my mom's She's in the right kitchen there. laughing. And like, it's it's true. and But like, maybe it's cute, yeah. you know, because they're happy. What yeah. do you think? I think it depends on the relationship. For me, like, I've been in those relationships that were super codependent. So I think that this time I was like, I'm not doing that. Um, I've been in the relationship where I'm like very dependent on the other person. And I think I just, it was such a bad experience that I was like really cautious to not do that again. Like I said, in the beginning, I was traveling and like, I was really busy. He's super, super busy. I mean, he has to like schedule time to pee during the day. So <laughs> we both had so much going on, really helped to not get too like codependent, I guess. Um, but if you love spending time with somebody, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think there's a difference between like wanting to be around somebody all the time because you love them and being codependent. Like if you're fully relying on them for your emotional well-being or like your happiness, that's right. a problem. But if you just enjoy spending time together, I think that's different. I think it's funny because quarantine has, 
I mean, it's the most time we've ever spent together, right? I think it is for a lot of people, like uninterrupted. And I feel myself going a little bit codependent. I'm like, where is he? What's he doing? Like, why doesn't he want to hang out with me? (laughs) Right. But it's only because like there's nothing else to do. I feel like. Yeah. It's funny though. It's funny how you can like just get so attached to somebody. <laughs> it's scary. Um, you guys, but didn't you just so, start dating before? Yeah. Yes. So we are at the five month okay. mark, which is so funny, which is when he said the suitcase mm-hmm. thing to you. I mean, technically seven, if you count like our first date. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we were like thrown into living together because of quarantine and then like into living with my parents shortly thereafter. And so I feel like it would just be like, you know, first of all, it wouldn't really make that much sense if we then were like, okay, bye, like going back to our own apartments after like that crazy thing. But also like, you know, we talked about it and he was like, I can't imagine like going back to the city and like not living together. That's sweet. And, you know, I have... I have quarantine to thank for that. So I think that like, this is such an an unprecedented time, right? That like, there's no right or wrong. And and I think that, I mean, that's a lot. Quarantining with somebody that you're newly dating and their family, that's a lot. And so I feel like that's that's very telling. Like if you guys went through that and you still want to be together all the time, then that's a really good thing. Because it could go the totally other way. Totally. Knock on wood. Um, no, it's been it's been good. So I had people reach out and just like ask a few questions and then I want to go over some polls with you. But someone asked, how do you plan like grocery shopping with someone that you live with like romantically? That's an interesting one. I don't know. I need to know. Well, okay. Let's see. I mean, my husband has absolutely zero part in grocery shopping. He doesn't care about food. I feed him usually whatever he wants and or whatever I'm making. So like I have full control there. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't know. That's hard for me to answer. Yeah, I would say, I mean, it would, it'll probably be the same with us when we move in together. Like he'll just eat it if it's there and I make it. So I feel like I should go grocery shopping and he'll just eat it. And like, I don't think I would have any resentments if like I paid for the groceries. Like, I don't think that's like that big of a deal. Then like when we go out to dinner, like maybe he can take care of that since I take care of the groceries. I don't know. That's a good balance. Okay. Someone said, oh, never. Someone said when to reach out to an ex after a breakup. Like literally never. (laughs) I don't understand. Like for what? So many questions about moving in together. It's crazy. Okay. Have you ever dated a close friend? No. Yeah, me either. I don't know. I feel like that's like, like if if your friends, like your friends, that's mm-hmm. like you're not dating for a reason. Um, what's a good way to act busy during Corona? To act busy? Yeah. Like in a relationship or <laughs> I'm confused. I think like when you're newly dating someone and like you're virtually dating, like you don't want to be sitting there all night, like in front of your computer, you know? Right. Ooh. How to act busy? I'm not sure. I feel like just like always be cooking something (laughs) or always be like, 
or like start a new show, like right when you start fa- virtual FaceTiming with them that like, and then, so like you love the show just right. as much as you love talking okay. to them. And then like, you don't yeah, have time. So I need some context. Okay. So this is like, if you're newly dating somebody, you're not hanging out. Mm-hmm. Is that what they mean? I, yeah, I guess you're virtually dating, but like, I, I guess now technically you can date, date if you do it safely. So like either. Mm. God, I'm so bad at this. I don't know. Yeah, I would say like... Just fake it. I think fake it till yeah. you make it. Um. Okay, when should you know how much your partner makes? Like at what stage in the relationship? Because it's awkward, but it's like you have to right. know and like they want to know too. Yeah, so again, like I feel like <laughs> I don't have good experience with this because my husband's is just on like Google and Wikipedia. (laughs) 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 And then when we did the prenup, he found out how much I make. (laughs) Um, But I don't know, maybe like if you're moving in together ish, like if you're going to have a conversation about like, you know, splitting finances or like who's paying for what, but I don't feel like necessarily there's any reason to know before that. Yeah, I feel like, well, so like in the process now of us looking for a place, like every everyone is like, we need your tax returns. We need your income statements. Like we need this. And like, we have to combine it. And That's so a it's lot like of all info. of a sudden like, okay, right. It's like, okay, I make this. What did you make? Oh, did you pay taxes correctly? Like, did you, you know, it's like, it's all yeah. happening. Um, okay, we're going to do some rapid fire poll questions. Do you eat before going out on well, a dinner date rapid with fire. someone like, that you're... There's, there's been... <laughs> Wait, it lagged, oh. but come back. I'm, I, I'm oh, here. I was going to say, I love how you say rapid fire. Like there's been nothing rapid fire about my brain since March, <laughs> but we'll try. <laughs> Do you eat before going out on a dinner date with someone you're newly dating? Yes or no? No. Would you? Yeah. I mean, if it was like a 9 p.m. date and I was starving, yeah. then yeah, I would have a little snack. Well, yeah, I eat at like five o'clock. So <laughs> yeah, I need to, I need to do that, honestly. But what time do you go to bed? Aren't you like hungry before bed? Not really. I used to be, I used to eat at like eight thirty nine, and then I would have dessert and I would go yeah. to bed at like 11. I go to bed at like 10, but I'll eat at like mm-hmm. 5.30, 5.36, have dessert. And now I've been going on like an evening walk. And for some reason that just like helps with my digestion and it helps me to feel mm. full. And then I come home and I like watch a show or take a bath and read or whatever. And I don't get hungry. I used to though. That that sounds like very good. <laughs> sounds actually. super healthy, right? <laughs> it sounds so healthy. Okay. This doesn't really make sense. But you and your friend both hooked up with two people who are friends. The person you got with likes you, but the person they got with doesn't like them. Is the person less likely to invite you to hang out because their friend won't want you to include your friend. Do you know? Yeah, I kind of get it. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. Did you gain weight or stay the same during quarantine? I have no idea because I don't weigh myself, but I think I'm Mm. probably around the same, but I've been, like I said, I've been walking a lot. I've had energy to work out that I didn't have before because I'm not like running around and sitting in traffic for four hours a day and like, just, you know, experiencing the stress of day-to-day life, I guess. So I've had more energy to put into that, but I don't think yeah. it's really changed anything. I just feel a little bit like better. <laughs> yeah. 
If someone makes two times as much as you, should they pay for more? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah. Would would you be friends with someone who rejected you? Friends with somebody who rejected you. Um, like re- rejected you romantically? Mm-hmm. I guess, but I feel like if you were interested in somebody romantically and then they just wanted to be friends, like, is that realistic? I don't know. No, and I feel like it's like kind of desperate because it, well, not even that it's desperate, but it's like, why do you get to have your cake and eat it too? Like, you can't reject me and be my friend. Like, choose one. Yeah, I would move on. Yeah. Sex dwindling in the relationship is the first sign that it's over. True or false? Mm. I think it's definitely a red flag. I don't know if it's necessarily the first mm-hmm. sign. I think that other things can go first. I think communication, like communication can definitely yeah. lag before like the sex lags or vice versa. But I think it's definitely something to be aware of. It definitely was the beginning of the end for my last mm-hmm. relationship. That's for sure. Your ex keeps reaching out and bringing up old memories of when you were together. When you ask them why, they said out of boredom. Are they? Is it actually boredom or are they missing you? I think it's probably boredom. But why would yeah, they even say like, that? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Like, huh? um, your significant other of a year is planning to go on a vacation for a week with their family in December. Do you have a right to be upset that you're not invited? Okay, wait, say it again. They're going on vacation. So your partner's going on a trip basically without you with their family. Do you have a right to be upset? Um, yeah. No, actually, no. Yeah, no, I no. agree. Oh. <laughs> well, I, I think you have a right to be upset because, but not with your significant other, with right. the fact that they don't like you right, enough right. to invite you on a family vacation, which like opens up more doors of, of red yeah. flags. Yeah, I agree. And like, maybe it's their parents that right. don't want you, in which case... Another like, red flag, why? yeah. Another red flag. Um, okay, amazing. So that's our... <laughs> rapid fire <laughs> quote, quote unquote um questions um, um and then we all we always end our podcast with a quote or piece of advice that has been helpful to you throughout the years so i feel like you've got tons of wisdom so hit us with something i might have tons of wisdom but i have this one quote that i always come back to which is and i always butcher it but it's something like everything that you want in from the world is everything you should be putting out kind of like the law of attraction, I guess, like, but I've applied that to everything. Like if I want something in a relationship, I put it out there and that's how I act towards other people. And same with like work, all of that. I love that. It's like, um, treat people how you want to be treated. Yeah. Kind of treat the world how you want to be treated. Where can everyone find you, follow you and listen to the blonde files? So they can listen to The Blonde Files on Apple, Spotify, all of the major podcast platforms. Um, And they can find me on Instagram at Ariel Laurie. And from there, they can find the podcast, find the website, find my TikTok (laughs) and all of that good stuff. I feel like you have really good um, views on your TikTok food videos. And I'm actually going to go look at them right now because I love TikTok. I kind of feel like I love TikTok and TikTok doesn't love me back. It's just weird. There's no rhyme or reason. Like some videos 
will get a million and then others will get like 3,000. But it's so random. If if only we were a what what do they call the generation below us? A Gen, Gen Z. Z. <laughs> Because all of their videos do well. I know. When I got on it, though, I was like, I'm not dancing. I'm not lip syncing. I'm not doing any of that. I'm just doing cooking videos. <laughs> I'm like, what I eat in a day. Well, so we'll see yeah. if that rings true. In <laughs> see a few how much weeks. longer quarantine lasts. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, thank you so much, thank Ariel. You. So great chatting Me with too. you. And um, go check out Ariel's podcast. <laughs> 